Blog Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance. And for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us and God is in our truth. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero of the Day with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Zero Today. We <laughs> This is attempt number two. <laughs> we had some very challenging technical issues earlier today, and um, wasn't able to wasn't able to, to get on like we had intended to do earlier. But we're here now. Happy Wednesday. Happy Veterans Day to all of my veterans. Particularly, I want to wish that to my brother, Kevin, and my aunt, Pam. Uh, both served in military, and both are happily retired from the military. <laughs> and um, I, I'm grateful for their service. I'm grateful for the, many serv- the service of many others uh, who started our robbery to, to serve our country. Now, let me just be honest with you. I try my best to enlist in uh, uh, the state national uh, national guard when I was a teenager and you know I took my ass back passed it and and I got uh, sworn in and everything I went to the swearing in and I was right before I was being sent to boot camp they's like you're too small you gotta pick up weight and they gave me, they gave me, uh, I think 30 days. They said, uh, you're going to have 30 days before boot camp starts. And all we need you to do is pick up, I think it was four or six pounds. That's all I needed. I just need to reach the bare minimum weight requirement. I mean, I was barely over 100 pounds. <laughs> and it's like, you got to get to this point and you're going to go. Man, I ate, I ate, yeah, I ate. And I couldn't gain those four to six pounds for nothing. <laughs> and I, I still have my paperwork. I, I still have my paperwork, and I peruse through it every now and then just for the fun of it, to to know that I was almost in the state national guard. Almost didn't make it, but I'm. I'm the same thing with the ROTC. I tried to get into ROTC in college, and same issue. I just could not gain the weight. I, I met all the requirements and everything, and just couldn't do it. Uh, I guess the Lord just didn't want me to be in the army of the U.S., but I am in the army of the Lord. <laughs> uh, anyway, so we have determined that there is a president-elect uh, called by the uh, Associated Press in favor of none other than Mr. Joseph R. Biden, Jr., uh, former vice president, former senator from the state of Delaware, and Kamala Harris, former uh, California attorney general, and current U.S. senator for the state of California. Congratulations are in order, I suppose, for those, both of them. But as you know, um, Mr. Trump, President Trump, is contesting the election results as he is well within the constitutional right to do, and we are finding cases of possible voter fraud, 
so much so that as of last read, Georgia is doing a full hand recount of all the votes. And there are some who are estimating that the Electoral College delegates or persons is shifting. And there's there's some who are saying that <coughs> right now Trump may have as many as 227 Electoral College votes, and Biden may have just over 240. Um, and that that's, that's dispute. There's some he says he has less than that. But either way, the contesting of this election, it is not unusual. We saw this in 2000 with Al Gore and George W. Bush. Um, we've seen it. I, I think the closest that we got to a clear case of a, a rush to calling the election was in 45 or 40, whenever Harry Truman was first elected president, not when he served as president, filling, filling uh, the term of Roosevelt. But you, I, you, you look in the history books, they show this big old newspaper uh, headline that read, Dewey Wins, with Harry Truman went showing it's like, yeah, they called it for uh, for Dewey, but I actually won. And um, so the press may have called it for Biden, but the winner, absolute winner, has truly yet to be determined. But Biden has assumed the role of president-elect, and we saw that with his uh, speech on the COVID and a couple other things that he's been addressing. Uh, so I, I I did give congratulations. I said, I guess congratulations are in order, even though it was disputed, you know. But people are happy. They believe that Biden has won, and because Biden has won, all of the troubles of America over the last four years all vanish. On January the 21st, 2021. <laughs> and that's what they're hoping. But there's still hope on the Trump camp. There are still plenty of people who are uh, believing that Trump will ultimately win. And they, there, are, there, are, there are a number of people who prophesy that Trump will win the election. And some of them have been called out and some of them have been debunked. Oh, well, all of them have been debunked, of course. But uh, one pa- one person, uh, a pastor from Bethel Church in California, prophesied it, and then turned around and uh, issued an apology for his false, what he called a, a false prophecy, or a, a mistaken prophecy. And then he took the video down when he did that. And then there are many others. Many others, uh, including um, Brian Karn and another person uh, I saw on the Old Black Church uh, website with Ms. Ann Brock. You go there, she'll find uh, who called the prophecy for President Trump. And of course, you had the hardliners like Pat Robertson, Paula White, um, Kenneth Copeland, <laughs> and many, many others who are ardent supporters of President Trump prophesy or call the election for Trump. And speaking of Paula White, Paula White has made headlines, not for the right reason, but she's become a meme. She, she was the, uh, <laughs> I put it this way, she, she was the butt, the butt of jokes, uh, most of last week after a prayer that she prayed um, that went viral. Matter of fact, let me just play you the clip of the prayer she prayed that has gone viral. Take a listen. 
and strike and angels have even descended dispatched from Africa right now Africa right now Africa right now from Africa right now they're coming here they're coming here in the name of Jesus from South America they're coming here they're coming here they're coming here they're coming here from Africa from South America angelic forces angelic reinforcement angelic reinforcement angelic reinforcement for I hear the sound of victory 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 all right I she can't choose the butt of jokes because of that prayer and there's an elongated version if you go to her uh church website um and it just it it went viral but then afterwards the following sunday during their service she went on the warpath i guess you could say against persons who mocked her for that and i started to play that clip but it's a little little long and i was like you know but basically uh she's like uh Y'all knew me. Y'all know me. Y'all had my number. 6,000 people had my number. You could have called me, and we had a discussion. And uh, apparently, once she put that out on air, uh, a lot of some black celebrities and uh, uh, pundits like Roland Martin responded, and and he stated that, yeah, hey, I, I gave you my number. You've had my number. I've invited you on the show, and you didn't call me back and that was in 2017 then again in 2018 and then again in 2019 and you my dear lady have not called me back and then Jamal Bryant Pastor Jamal Bryant of New Birth Church in Georgia Atlanta Georgia uh, responded by saying um, well I don't have your number but I will gladly let you have mine and we could discuss things and we could have a dialogue in the studios of his church. And of course, there was no response to that. I, I said all of that. <laughs> this has just been the craziness of 2020, the, the craziness of this election cycle. It, it's been so crazy, even uh, the Democrats are seeming to implode upon each other. Now, now the Republican Party is, is, this is going to be, whatever they final outcome of this election is we're definitely going to see some type of shift in the political party system in this country. You, you know, we are uh, majorly a two-party system and it's going to, it's going to shift because there are in, there's infighting within both parties. I remember in 2010 uh, after the Tea Party movement and the ultra conservative or neoconservative party members uh, of the Republican Party got elected, and they created the Freedom Caucus, which was basically the Tea Party on steroids. And you, you see a lot of those now becoming prominent, especially under Trump, they became prominent in the Republican Party. And then those more Republican, you know, <laughs> the, the the what they call Beltway Republicans, those who have been in part and in, in, in the politics for a long time, you know, you saw. Over the first year and a half of Trump's administration, where they just kind of, all right, let Trump have his way, you saw Paul Ryan, who was then the Speaker of the House, resign. Give it, he left politics because of the clash. And many other Republicans across the board and, and all, all levels of government began to step away. And some just like, well, you know, I'll step back. I won't support the party, including myself. I stepped away from the Republican Party. Uh, once Trump was elected, because I, I honestly did not believe that he was conservative by any means and definitely did not re, uh, respect or uh, put forth the ideals of the principles of the Republican Party, both the conservative and the moderate uh, pieces of the party. But that's going to, I mean, this is, I won't call it a civil war. Some people are trying to, there are a lot of YouTube pundits who are saying that this is a civil war. I won't call it that. What I will say is that you're finding extremism in both parties trying to find that voice and push that voice to the front and push more moderates or, uh, or 
uh, principled people, I guess you can say, from both parties, pushed them to the side. And, and that's uh, Ocorzio Cortez uh, was interviewed on Sunday after the election, and she basically called out those moderates who she claims did not do enough uh, for the Democratic Party. And that's one of the reasons why they lost seats in the House. And there was this blue wave that was supposed to happen that didn't happen uh, in in the states. And, and our reality is the Republican Party did pick up more House, uh, you know, state seats. But um, it is what it is. And I'm interested to see what's going to happen, uh, especially up to December and if Biden is ultimately confirmed as president, exactly what is going to happen. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that. And I, I well, we're going to talk about this a little bit more uh, in the next in segment two of the show. But I, I'm just it's just been an interesting thing as as the court system goes uh, as the as the um, Contesting go through the legal system We'll see what happens And what's also interesting As this is being played out Is as the Supreme Court is Listening to arguments uh, Regarding the Affordable Care Act Or Obamacare As they are listening To this uh, To the arguments There, There is a sense As the media has been pr- reporting That uh, two uh, Republicans appointed judges, justices, uh, Judge Justice Roberts and Justice uh, Kavanaugh uh, are appearing to be in favor of upholding the Affordable Care Act, which will fly in the face, in my opinion, will fly in the face of uh, those uh, Democrats who opposed Brett Kavanaugh's uh, not only not only his nomination but his ultimately confirmation to the Supreme Court because they not only dogged him but they adamantly stated that he would dismantle uh, the Affordable Care Act along with Roe versus Wade and if what preliminary reporting is if it's correct then. He's proven them wrong. So, like I said, this is 2020. This no one can predict what is going to happen <laughs> because nobody. The, the craziness of this entire uh, shindig, nobody knows. Yeah. So, anyway, there are a couple of things I, I want to share. Uh, a lot of losses that happened over the week, over the weekend, also. We lost Alex Trebek, beloved host of my favorite game show, uh, aside from The Price is Right and Wheel of Fortune, Jeopardy. I watched that show religiously for a long time, and I think I learned more from watching that show uh, than I did in my entire <laughs> educational system, schooling. <laughs> I, I mean, the, just being on that show and watching the contestants and seeing their knowledge I was like, man, that's that's that takes a lot of discipline to be able to get on that show, and then to get on the show and to win. And think about those persons who uh, had straight, consistent wins and won a lot of money. I, I tell you, that was wonderful. And I think Mr. Trebek came across as the astute intellectual. I'm not aware if he actually was or not, but he certainly played the role very well. And uh, millions of Americans loved him. Uh, I don't know about you, but I I started. <laughs> I kind of got a, a, a I got I got a, a kick out of it when he started doing the commercials for uh, one of those uh, insurance. I think it's insurance um, companies. Yeah, but anyway, you know, he was like. Uh, <laughs> He started doing it. It was just funny. But he was a beloved host, and he, he announced that he had cancer, and, and he's battling it, and he succumbed for, from it. So uh, condolences to his family 
And uh, I hope they're able to find, if that show keeps going, I do hope that they are able to find someone as good as he was to host it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would love it if they found a black intellectual to host that show. I think that would be the bomb in this age of, of <laughs> where every <laughs> black lives matter. Let black minds matter. <laughs> hey, and speaking of, you know, I, I think about Black Jeopardy on Saturday Night Live and two instances that I actually watched that were, I didn't watch the actual show, but I saw clips of Black Jeopardy with Tom Hanks and with um, the late um, Black Panther. Oh, my goodness. Uh, uh, those two gentlemen were on the show. I can't believe I can't remember his name right there. Chadwick Boseman, thank you. Uh, so I, I saw those two in Black Jeopardy. That was hilarious. So get somebody to do Jeopardy and make it like a Black Jeopardy. And if we don't have that, well, BT, whatever uh, TV one, whatever the black station we got, network we got, why don't y'all kick it off? Start a Black Jeopardy. <laughs> Let's start a Black Jeopardy. I'm going to start a petition on Change.com to have a Black Jeopardy on television and not just on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> but um, I, I just, I just, I'm just having a little fun. Um, so he did pass away. But another uh, person that passed away was the uh, bishop Harry Jackson, um, who was pastor and bishop in the uh, D.C. metro area, uh, person I greatly admired. Uh, I admired him not just because of who he was, but I admired him for um, his courage. He was sometimes a lone black conservative voice in a space that was neglected quite a few times by uh, mainstream media. And he would actually sometimes, like I say, be the lone black conservative voice. And though he was a pastor and Christian, uh, a lot of people just didn't see him that way outside of well, within the mainstream media, they just saw him as a conservative, a black conservative, often misconstruing uh, him as a Republican. He actually was never a Republican, as I understand it. He was a Democrat, lifelong Democrat. He just stood by his um, his values and principles, um, both as the pastor of Hope Christian Church and and as a black man. And you know, made him the scourge of many. And of course, he he was a Trump supporter, and he was present at uh, several major Trump events, and more recently at several other uh, events. I think he was at the um, hearing, or not the hearing, but the swearing in of uh, the latest Supreme Court justice. And he was at a rally recently, a Trump rally. And um, while people are his his death, that they, they, they stated there is no cause of death listed publicly. Now, of course, his family may know what caused his death, but uh, there are a lot of persons. And even when I made the post on Facebook, there are a lot of persons who assumed that he may have died from COVID or COVID-related uh, issues. And I, no one can really verify that outside of his family. And um, I read a an article on the Black Christian News Network, and basically they are saying that um, though he he died, uh, and though it may not it may be unclear as to why he died, it is very clear that in the Black Church, particularly uh, Black political. Uh, strain of the black church that we don't want to deal with the idea of death, the COVID death, a mortality rate for black people. And the reality is this 
unfortunately, out of all the deaths in uh, this day and age that are related to or caused by the COVID virus, um, a large majority of them and a great number are African Americans. And, you know, it, it, it's disproportionate. You might as well call it what it is. There are dis, it is disproportionate when you look at the natural uh, figures. We are disproportionately being affected by this, and not just by the death rate, but also by hospitalization and all of that. Uh, and we just need to be real about it. We don't need to cover up if he did pass from it. We know another prominent uh, uh, Trump supporter, black Trump supporter, Herman Cain, died from it, as was reported. And there are many others who were less prominent, but also uh, more on the conservative side who died from it. And, you know, it is what it is. But we as pastors, we as black folk, we just have to be more ardent. That's why I can't understand why there are black people joining this uh, <laughs> this call for no mass. You know, all of this you know, black churches protesting. You know, uh, the the well, I, I I protest lockdown. If if this called again, you know, I would definitely. We saw that that did not work. It uh, did more harm than help. Uh, so, you know, yeah, I would oppose a, a lockdown. But, you know, a lot of churches were boycotting ordinances or uh, executive orders by governors to close, you know, limit church attendance or, you know, uh, close churches down. And I didn't see it as closing down. I saw it as, you know, finding a way to contain this. And I adhere to it, you know, because, again, I pastor uh, a vast majority of my congregation, age 65 and over. They're vulnerable population, and myself being uh, type 1 diabetic and all of the other issues that I have, part of the vulnerable population. And I just say, hey, it's not going to kill us if we don't meet every Sunday. If Until we can meet in person again, we got the means to, to worship. And, I, you know, we saw a large number of black churches that called themselves joining the boycott. We saw outbreaks. In those churches And you know if it's one death Two deaths or five deaths That's still too many If it's very much preventable So it was one of the things That uh, uh, we, we need to talk about And so But anyway back to Bishop Jackson Bishop Jackson like I said I admired his courage To stand up for issues That he was very uh, Very very principled about With it came to the issue of life. He's very principled on that, and he spoke out against abortion uh, when it came to issues regarding economic development in black communities. He was very much in favor of that, and I think that's why one reason why he actually uh, supported the Trump administration, school choice, all these issues that black people say that they want, that the larger government both at the state and the federal level, don't want to provide, or, or and they, you know, small handouts here and there. Uh, he he stood up and spoke spoke too, and you know, he didn't have the influence of the Jesse Jacksons or the Al Sharptons, or the Shuttleworths, or the Vivians or John Lewis's. The world, you know, he didn't have. That influence per se Within the black community But a lot of people admired him Just for the courage to be who he was And stand for what he Believed in And though his life has come to an end uh, His ministry Will not And we will continue to pray For His family And um, His church ministry There let me one more thing, and then I'm going to take a quick break and get into the topic of the day. Uh, this I don't know whether to laugh or cry, but came across a story. 
about singer Katy Perry. And she did something that you you would think would be the most heartfelt thing and reconciling thing any celebrity or any human being could do after this election and particularly after the declaration of who won the election. She tweeted, the first thing I did when the presidency was called is text and call my family members who do not agree and tell them I love them and I'm him for them. Family first. Hashtag family first. Call your family today. Happy Sunday. And like I said, this is on Twitter. And she has millions of followers on Twitter. And you would think those persons who love her, adore her, and follow her would support her and say, yes, you're right. That's what we should do. But no. <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh Fox News and other outlets report that she was slammed for telling her fans to reach out to pro-Trump supporting family members. Isn't that crazy? This is how divisive we are. This is how divided this country has become. They're slamming her for something positive. So what she <laughs> she she tweeted that, and this is what some people some of her followers and subscribers reported retweeted or tweeted back to her and said, one person said, truth is, rich white people such as yourself were never at risk no matter who won this election. (laughs) Wow. Rich white people as yourself. Now, she's a celebrity, and this is just how crazy it is. Usually, you see see celebrity worship, and the fans were, were, you know, just unabashedly support whatever they said or did. Oh, boy, she called help this. Another one said, to you, this is more a disagreement of opinions. To the rest of us, this election was a matter of life and death in some aspects. So, no, I won't be calling my family to console them. Wow. Another one, uh, it, it kept going on. Uh, this is what I really like, this one right here. Not extending an olive branch to people who voted against basic human decency. Unlike you, I don't have the privilege. Wow. So any person that voted for Trump is clumped as a person, clumped together as a person who voted against decent human human decency, basic human decency. Uh, oh my goodness. It's just crazy that we've gotten so far away from humanity that we can't even reconcile over an election. And there are several, there are several outlets, uh, or not outlets, but persons reporting that people who support Trump and who voted for Trump should be blacklisted. Uh, people who are vocally supporting Trump's contesting of the election, even though it's legal and constitutional, should be blacklisted, and so forth and so forth. So on. This is it's just crazy. I never thought I would live in this America, but yet we are here. Anyway, I'm running out of time. I'm going to take this quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, the what would the Biden and Harris presidency and vice president look like what should we expect as blacks so i uh, take this break and be back right after this find it hard to believe, but at one point in your life, you're going to need access to reliable legal services. Legal issues can be confusing, complicated, and even a bit embarrassing. That's why I joined the family at Legal Shield. Legal Shield offers the most affordable, comprehensive legal coverage available. And for a small monthly fee, I have access to Legal Shield's personal plan that includes attorneys who will represent me and provide me advice, even draft and review documents on my behalf. Not only do they provide excellent legal service, 
but with their ID shield, I'm also guaranteed protection from all fraud, including identity theft protection. Did I mention to you, I have so many perks and benefits that come with being a member of Legal Shield? Yeah, they pretty much cover the plan myself. For the last 45 years, Americans have trusted Legal Shield for all their legal needs, and I'm glad that I've joined them. So give them a call. Visit their website, www.legalshield.com. I'm telling you, you will be glad that you So if you're not aware, I am a very very curious person. I'm always trying to learn new things. And um, so I recently learned about Skillshare and it's opened up so many doors for me on learning how to be a better creative person. I've learned, I've taken classes on uh, creative writing, on my podcasting, on my YouTube videos, all of that. It has come in handy. And I would strongly recommend you, if you are trying to improve on any skill that you have and you want to go from being a hobby to uh, make it a pro, <laughs> I, I, I want to invite you to go to Skillshare.com. Uh, Skillshare.com is where you can go to learn all kinds of things. They have workshops on everything that you can imagine, photography, videography, uh, writing, anything that you can think of, you can find it on Skillshare. So, and I'm telling you, you're going you're gonna to really love it. It's, it's worth every single moment, every single class, and you'll, you'll love it. You'll great. Greatly enjoy it. Go check it out. Skillshare.com slash Zero Today Radio. Welcome back to Zero of the Day. I am your humble host, Dr. Lorenzo Neal. And I did do it. I don't think I said it right. I'm hailing from Cageland, USA. Yeah. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, if you have not done so, go to our Facebook page, the Zero Network on Facebook. Go there, like that page, listen to archive shows from all the way back to 2010. 2011, all the way back. And also, you can find us on all your podcast outlets on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, iTunes. We're available on that. Um, wherever you have Spotify, wherever you have a, you listen to your podcast, we are available for that. We appreciate that. And if you have not done so, I want to invite you to become a patron of the show. Go to patreon.com slash Lorenzo T. Neal. Subscribe. And for as low as a dollar a month, you will be able to help this show thrive. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. All right. Last segment of the day. Um, Biden, Joseph Biden Jr., Kamala Harris have been, by way of media, declared uh, president and vice president of these United States. And before the election, one of the things I dealt with and I talked about a great deal was this this challenge to black Americans to actually uh, not just vote, but bring something to the table. Not just blindly vote for a letter behind somebody's name, but to vote with intelligence, integrity, and uh, information, and there were several black celebrities who, over the last several months who spoke out and were be like, "We're like, all right, you want our vote? What is it for us?" Ice Cube in particular talked about it, and he, along with uh, Dr. Boyce Watkins and several other prominent or I won't say prominent, but other uh, scholars, academics, uh, uh, intelligentsia, black intelligentsia, came together and put what they call the uh, contract with black America, presented it to both parties. And, of course, 
Ice Cube caught slack for it because the Trump administration latched onto it and 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 incorporated it into their campaign, calling it the platinum plan, platinum plan for Black America. And you know, some folk were happy, some folk were mad. A lot of people were just like, you know what, Ice Cube, you're a sucker. And then there were a large amount of black men, more prominently black celebrities who were speaking out in support of Trump, showing up at his rallies, taking photo ops with him, saying that they would vote for him and they supported him because they were looking at their own finances, 50 Cent in particular, uh, Lil Wayne. I don't know if he was high or not. <laughs> I'm sorry. My bad. I apologize. That was slanderous. Uh, no, it wasn't. It was a joke. Um, no pump. Other, uh, some others who raised the question, you know, why why we got a black vote? Why does the black vote always have to go to Democrats when it seems like uh, they don't do anything for us? And that is the question that I am asking. With the Biden and Harris presidency, will it be Obama-Biden 2.0 for black folk? 2008, black people turned out in record numbers to vote, and vote they did in favor of Mr. Barack Hussein Obama as president of these United States. It was a historical moment. Saw Jesse Jackson crying, saw uh, Colin Powell expressing joy. Um, many other prominent black leaders, including the late, great John Lewis, expressed pride in that event. Uh, we saw the Congressional Black Caucus come together, and even though Barack Obama had been a senator, a U.S. senator for two years, he was not actively in, involved, as far as I'm aware, with the Congressional Black Caucus. Um, maybe because he was on the other side of the of the chamber, and um, so they sat down and they wanted to gauge where he was. Um, and then you had infamously Tavis Molly, and um, oh my God, how can I forget his name? <laughs> oh my God. Uh, Good God, how am I, I'm having a blank moment right now. Uh, Lord have mercy. Tavis Valley and a couple of other prominent um, black intellectuals challenge Obama and hold him to uh, Cordell West. Good Lord Almighty. Uh, hold him to the task, and they were very critical, Barack Obama, in his first term, and they said they would be critical. They said they weren't, they weren't going to treat him any different than any other uh, president, and they didn't. And black folk didn't like that. How dare you critique him? How how dare you question his actions, even though he's not doing anything? Really, how dare you? Um. And we, we, for eight years, we saw nothing, basically. We didn't really benefit from the Obama-Biden presidency. There was not, he made very small steps. He didn't do anything major. He didn't do anything really significant for black people. Um, now, he did a lot for other uh, groups, and we know what those are, who those are and what they did, you know. He did a lot. But when it came to black, he did not do much. And it was after he was out, out of office that black folks started talking and realizing, well, you know, yeah, he was president for eight years, but we didn't really reap any benefits. And now I believe, and this is just me, I could be very wrong, and I'm, I'm okay with that, that a lot of people voted for Joe Biden thinking it would be Obama 2.0. That's just True, I, and I, I thought that during the primaries, when he was running, I, I was like, 
you know, I, you know, at first it was assumed that he would run after, uh, after Obama was out, but, you know, due to the death of his son, he chose not to, and a couple of other issues he chose not to, but he still stay in the public, uh, space, um, and, and eventually was kind of, kind of, you know, shooed into running. I don't think he really wanted to at the time, but uh, they didn't want Hillary. That was one thing. They did not want Hillary Clinton to run again. <laughs> that was it. Anybody but Hillary. And um, the, the idea that the black voters of South Carolina in particular gave him the thrust that he needed, in spite of Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, um, being the uh, the blacks, the black folk for the race. In spite of that, uh, they went with Joe Biden. They got Kamala Harris now as vice president, but yeah, and you know she didn't perform well. And I'm starting, I started to think when he announced her as his running mate, was that intentional? They plant that, that was she playing the role that whole time? You know. Because she was aware that, you know, because she was the first one to drop out. What she said, was it told to her, all right, this is how we're going to get you in. Yeah, it, it seems that way. Of course, it's conspiratorial. But, hey, it does make for a good movie. <laughs> Makes for a good miniseries. <laughs> House of Cards kind of thing. But anyway, I, I think a lot of blacks voted for Biden. Because they want, they, they're still living off the nostalgia of President Obama. And that's the closest thing that we have to President Obama. You have his vice president. Now, mind you, as vice president, he did absolutely nothing. Nothing. He, he didn't do anything. He was, he was one of those figureheads. That was it. He, 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 you know, not like Mike Pence. Mike Pence had a lot of uh, influence in Trump's presidency, um, was the guy, um, Cheney had a lot of influence, W. Bush's, uh, George W.'s presidency, uh, Bush Sr. had a lot of influence under uh, Ronald Reagan's second term. He had quite a bit of influence. And even, even our good environmentalists, Al Gore was not just a figurehead. He actually did some as the president of the Senate uh, under Clinton's administration. But Al, uh, but Joe Biden was really literally just kind of like a figurehead. He didn't really do anything. Didn't he may may have sat on committees or anything like that, but it was nothing prominent. Nothing, nothing that made him stand out as vice president. You know, he's like a Gerald Ford. He, he was vice president, and all of a sudden now he becomes president, and uh, that's it. You know, he wasn't much as vice president, and now he's president, and turned out wasn't much as president. <laughs> and, and so I think a lot of people are wondering what should we expect as black folk. We have delivered. That's that's the thing. You know, they're saying uh, black folks delivered the vote for Biden, and I don't know if that's true or not. Being that we're minority, you know, some has been, you know, uh, if we did deliver the vote for Biden and and Harris, um, then we ought to not just have a seat at the table, but we ought to be at the head of the table, if that's the case. Uh, that and, you know, with black women in particular, and this this we're really. The, the media was loving this black women supporting Biden and and uh, coming out against black men who were trying to be independent thinkers and think outside of what people call it the democratic plantation <laughs> and choosing to say they were voting for Trump for one reason or another, uh, being principled as, as, as they would say. And the black women, they, you know, they were sicking the black women on those men. Because those men were not falling in place like black women were. And we, you've seen it post-election. They were accrediting uh, 
what's her name out of Georgia. They they were crediting her with the with the win for Biden. Uh, she ran for governor. My goodness, can't even think of her name. Hold on for a second. I am just drawing blanks all this morning. Oh, this happened. See, <laughs> it's afternoon, and I'm saying it's morning. That that's what. <laughs> it is just crazy. Uh, my goodness, man. How can I not know who I'm talking about? <sighs> hold on, hold on. Stacey Abrams. All right. I, I maybe I need to get some sleep. So Stacey Abrams uh supposedly is being well is being credited as turning Georgia blue by by that meaning uh Georgia you know voted in favor of Biden and of course now that it may not be the case as they're doing a hard recount and um some are saying Biden is in the lead. Some are saying Trump is in the lead. It doesn't matter. They're doing this recount. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I had one of my dear friends. We were on a, a prayer call, and the when her name was called, she proudly said, Georgia is blue. She doesn't live in Georgia, by the way. Doesn't live in Georgia. But she said, Georgia is blue. And I'm like, you don't live in Georgia. But the 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 message was to black women this black woman, Stacey Abrams, is the reason Georgia flipped from Republican to Democrat when it came to the presidential race. Now, mind you, there's still very much a red state when you look at the legislature <laughs> and a lot of the cities. They're very much are still still a red state, They're overwhelmingly Republican in both houses of their legislature. But uh, Stacey Abrams, because she ran for governor and she came close to winning, but she didn't win. But she came close. They are crediting her with pushing the women and motivating the women to get out the vote. And the thing about it is the Democratic Party pandered so well to black women and uh, neglected black men to a degree. And I, I talked about that last last uh, show. I, I still dwell on the same thing. You know, black women can look forward to – because think about it. Black women are one of the most educated group. Um, even though they are the most educated group, they're fastly becoming one of the most influential group in a, in the country. They they're they're rising through the ranks of uh, uh, the corporations and legislatures, and very more specifically, the black church. As we see more and more women entering ministry, more and more women, as, as churches become a little bit more accepting of women in ministry, pastoring churches, bishops in uh, denominations like mine, you know, we, we elected the first black woman bishop, uh, black woman, the first female bishop in the African Methodist Episcopal Church in 2000. And we've only elected four since, uh, four, three in particular. And, you know, we may have, may elect more now. We got a couple of more we can elect, but we're, we're seeing a rise in their influence, and the Democratic Party uh, really pandered to them, really tried to get them to see their value in 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 changing the scope and the place of America. Because why? They, one, you know, culturally and historically, they've been the nurturers of the community. They've been the uh, the teachers in the community, you know, they've been the, the caregivers of, of the community in black in larger perspective. And so they understand the power of the black woman. And, and it's becoming even more prominent in the, in the field of where the greatest sphere of influence is, and that is the arts and entertainment. And they're getting that. And then they're, they're, you know, you got at least two women who are black women or billionaires in the state. In, a, in states, I may be mistaken, but at least one, Oprah Winfrey, but I think there's another. 
or very wealthy um, black women. And so that that's 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 what it's going to look like. But the, the question is, you know, what should we expect? Biden, you know, said he's going to make sure that uh, the Affordable Care Act stays in place, and it may not have anything to do, to do with that if the Supreme Court makes their ruling in favor, like, as is being suggested they will, to uphold it. Then you know that pain is that promise is out the door because he can't do anything with it. If it's upheld, okay, that's out the door. What next? When it comes to racial and uh, racial insecurities, and I'm not talking about just uh, you know injustice. I'm talking about insecurities. There's a lot of racial insecurities that's been propagated by the media that that wants to keep this in our fellow you know in our face that there are a bunch of racists in America. They just happen to be white people's. And black peoples, you need to be aware of the white races and the Karens and all of that. And I'm be honest with you, honestly, the liberals are a little bit more racist than the conservatives. That they not as overt, you know, they're they're not as overt. And unfortunately, there have been a lot of white people, so sincere, who are still Karens and whatever they, the the uh, male derivative of the Karen is. So what should we expect? What should we expect if there's no campaign for keeping the Affordable Care Act? What about COVID? Biden made his uh, dig about COVID, and, and it's clear that he is in favor of some of the prohibitions that were in place earlier by uh, pushed by government, you know, governors of states, and and by Trump, supported by Trump, but not dictated by Trump because Trump understood. At least we believed him to understand states' rights and the separation of the powers of the state. Uh, but the way Biden presented it, and I don't know if he meant it, but the way it was presented or it came across, that he would use the power of the federal state to enforce. And, and a lot, I think if he does that, it doesn't matter what color you are, blue or red, you know, you're going to come against that because it would be a great overreach of, of, of government. So if those two things are, if the virus is not, uh, you know, if we, we got the vaccine and it's proven, as one study has said, 90% effective, so we get the vaccines after, you know, by this time next year, that's out of the issue. So there's no COVID. There's no um, no threat to the ACA. What is there next? Okay. Police. uh Actions addressing policing in urban communities or all across this country. Well, that is at the local and state level. Well, mostly at the local level. You know, we have a we don't want a federalized police. We we don't want that. You know, now countries have federalized policing, and that's more brutal because they do the bidding of the state. You want municipal governments controlling municipal police. Uh, uh, law enforcement because those are the ones closer to the community. You don't want a, a federalized policing system at, at any. So because if they if they if they say all right, we're going to federalize police. We're gonna we're gonna make all police uh, uh, you know we're gonna pre- present certain things you know certain policies and procedures for all police municipalities to follow, organizations to follow, and you know, well, that may in turn be more harmful to black communities. So if, that, if that's all that we have, what are we going to do about the increased black-on-black crime? You know, what about domestic abuse? What about the abortion rates in black communities? What about all of the – what about – the education system, the public education system that is completely failing, even under Common Core. Teachers hated Common Core. I was a teacher under Common Core. I did not like it. It was worse than No Child Left Behind. So we got. What should we demand from from them in that? You know, we had an opportunity because of this virus. We're seeing now that students uh, are learning from home, and we provided the proper resources about how they are provided and we saw a lot of churches and a lot of organizations uh, come together to provide computers, provide internet services, provide uh, 
child care services for these students and their families because they, you know, they were home. They're, they're actually being schooled from home virtually. And, and things like this is what we have to ask. Will this, how will this be impacted? How will we be impacted by this? What are you going to, what's your Department of Education going to look like? What's your Department of Labor going to look like? What's your, what is your infrastructure uh, pro plan going to look like? What, what do you have? Because they didn't have a platform. They didn't need a platform. They wrote in on Black Lives Matter, riots, and uh, a whole lot of Karens. That's how they got elected. <laughs> it's true. That's how they got elected. They didn't, they didn't have an outright platform that they had to present because we had the distractions of COVID. We had the distractions of riots. We had the distractions of shootings. And trust me, a lot of these shootings, when you question whether it's justifiable or not, just the fact that they happen and they continue to happen seemingly back to back to back to back for black men like me, yeah, that made me very concerned. Very, it still makes me concerned. Uh, but anyway, so that's the question we're going to ask. What, what should we expect? The, the things that really matter, matter to us, economic development. Trump talked about uh, uh, opportunity zones. Will they take that in consideration? And will they bring that to our people and say, look, yes, we understand that uh, local municipalities are responsible for urban development, but we want to give provide money to as incentives, not for gentrification. We want black-owned businesses to thrive. Let's get black-owned businesses. Let's get black people moving back into these communities. Let them get. Let's get more black home ownership, because it's very. It's, it's evident that when you own your own home, you're gonna take care of it. You're gonna make sure you look good. You're gonna make sure that your neighborhood is safe when you own your home, or if you're in a long-term rental, you're gonna make sure that it's taken care of. But. It is what it is, you know. So, I've I've gone over my time. I just I I just hope for we have this voice, you know. I I was feeling blab, you know, kind of. Uh, I it really didn't matter to me who won and lost. Uh, my state of mind is regarding what's in the best interest of my community, the people that I serve. You know, as a pastor and as a community leader, uh, what's going to be in the best interest of my community? And that's that's how I function, you know. Whereas blue or red, I got red all the way for the blood of Christ. <laughs> Not for Republican, but for the blood, the blood of Jesus that is shed abroad from my heart to others. That's why I serve this presentation the way I do. But anyway... What can we expect? Those are just a few things. We we should demand uh, better education in public schools. You know that means increasing teacher pay. I I think we can increase teacher pay at the federal level if we're going to demand a federal increase to the uh, an increase in the federal wage minimum wage to fifteen. We ought to demand an increase in the wage of teachers. And, and subsidize states for doing so. I believe that's one way to do it. And you know, yeah, it costs a little money. And though I'm a fiscal conservative, I think this would be an investment <laughs> worth it. You know, the money would be worth well worth spent. You know, because the better educated our, our people are, we know the the better uh, workers they'll be. And I know education system in public public school education system in America was basically designed to create workers, not thinkers. Not individual, you know, uh, entrepreneurs. It was designed to create workers, but we now are at a pivotal moment where we can create an education system that is designed not just to create workers, but to create entrepreneurs, people who can function for themselves and create other opportunities for others. And I believe that's what God ordained all of us to be able to do, to some degree. So that. That's one thing, a big overhaul to public education. And I think school choice should be one of the things that they should consider as part of their administration. And uh, urban development and renewal, supporting black businesses, providing funds and resources for black businesses to thrive. We know that this pandemic caused a great deal of black businesses to close permanently. 
and they can revitalize those businesses and those entrepreneurs. We can do that. I believe they can do it. That's that's what they uh if we demand that they they do that. And lastly, while I'm all for love for everyone, I, I think and this is just me, we have to do away with this idea of intersectionality. And I know President Trump uh banned the teaching of <clears throat> excuse me, critical race theory and you know, honestly, critical race theory doesn't make any sense when you actually analyze it as a theory, and definitely in practice it doesn't make sense. But uh, you know, we can't you can't cater to everybody. You know, the this this group, uh, this this administration, basically all campaigned the same way during the primaries. They they pander to. Uh, Intersectionality. You know, we're going to be this way for the LGBTQ plus community. We're going to be this way for immigrants and undocumented persons. We're going to be this way for this group and that group. And reality is, we know that that doesn't work. Not that you can't provide uh, resources for them. Not that you can't acknowledge them. But you can't give them, give us all what we want. You can't give us all what we want, and then we know nobody ever really. Even when we get what we want, really are satisfied because we want more. So, got to get away from this intersectionality and and be a country for one one country, plurals unum, in many from many one. I think once they do that, they can govern well. And I know both of them lean more toward the left. But as I stated earlier, the left is in fighting. They're trying to figure out what. They're going to do how they who they're going to put forward that their prominent voices. So it is what it is. Anyway, I went way over time. I appreciate you guys for listening. Uh, make sure that you uh, follow us again on our Facebook page, Zero Network on Facebook. Go there, like that page. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Zero Radio on Twitter. Follow me personally at Lorenzo T. Neal. Also, um, if you haven't done so, uh, purchase a copy of our books. Uh, we have two books that are out right there. Go to my web page, website, LorenzoTNeal.com, and uh, you can purchase your book there. Follow us uh, on all our social media. Support us on Patreon, LorenzoTNeal.com, uh, Patreon.com/LorenzoTNeal. Follow us there, and um, we appreciate everything that you do to help us. Uh, this show, one of the sponsors for the show is Skillshare. When you uh, listen to the show, if you're listening on any of the platforms, you'll see in the link how you can. Uh, uh, learn great stuff on Skillshare. If you click the link there, you'll uh, get a 14 free day trial for uh, Skillshare Premium. That's about all that I have. I really, 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 really had fun doing this show today, and I hope that you did too. Until next week, you guys have a great day. I'm, 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 I'm,